Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every great magic trick consists of three acts. The first act is called The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this episode of The Riley and Kimmy Show. It is a Tuesday episode, number 1144. The day it is uploaded. Right next to me is. Kimmy! I got one name! Get it! Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. 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 <laughs> Hi. Hi. I am your host, Patrick Riley. Quite a good scene, isn't it? One man crazy, three very sane spectators. Yes, uh, I am the crazy man right here in the studio. The sane spectators right behind me and to the side of me, actually. Two fur kids behind me. And we have Kimmy right next to me, the sane one of the show. Hello, Kimmy. Hello. And welcome to this Tuesday edition of the Riley and Kimmy Show. Thank you. And are you getting all rested and ready to go on the road? Oh, yeah. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Why my love is making music with my friends. I can't wait to get on the road again. Yeah, I can't wait at all. Getting packed up, ready to go. Got the Batmobile ready to go. Coming this Saturday, we'll be at the grand reopening, or grand opening, that's correct. The grand opening of Big J's brand new location. Big J's formerly of the Artagon Marketplace. Uh, they have uh, moved basically across the street, correct, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. That is where they will be. We'll have a link right on our Facebook page. You can find more details available right there. And be sure to follow Big J's uh, Facebook page and probably his brand new Facebook page, which he'll be announcing, I'm sure, in the very near future. Uh, for more details about the event that is happening this Saturday, starting at 11 o'clock. Please stop on by. Very easy to find right off of uh, International Drive, correct, Kimmy? That's right. Very easy. And for those who will be in Florida, in Orlando, for maybe vacationing for this upcoming weekend, it is right by the theme park area. That'd be the best way to describe it, right? That's correct. It's um, right near Universal, right near, um, what is it, the, the big spot? Oh, you, you mean the, the fun spot. Fun spot. <laughs> it's huge. Well, yeah, the, the fun spot. <laughs> that yes. place. Yeah, it's right by there. A bunch of outlets, uh, lots of outlet shopping. Yes, and great things to uh, find and do, which mm-hmm. is right at this area where Big J's has moved to. You will find all the great things that you loved about Big J's in the past there and some new things as well. And we'll let uh, Big J uh, talk about that coming up on Saturday. Be sure to check out his his current Facebook page for updates, uh, you know, timely updates of what's going to be happening this coming Saturday. So please tell your nerd friends who are in Central Florida to head over to Big J's, a place for toys, collectibles, statues, comics, and more. And that is this Saturday, 11 o'clock. We would love to see you. I guarantee there'll be chances for you to win this Saturday starting at 11. I, I, I'm pretty sure we overheard or were told that they are giving away some things. Correct, Kimmy? That's correct. And yes. plus, the Riley and Kimmy show will have a chance for you to win just by stopping. While, while I should say, while uh, prizes are there, so it's smart to get there early. That's starting at 11. We'll have opportunities for you to win as well. And more details about that 
will be happening on Saturday morning. You'll be able to find uh, quick updates right on our Facebook page. We will be uh, doing video updates and other updates as well from this location. And we'll be recording an episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show. So come on out, talk nerd with us, to us, talk about geek things, all that kind of stuff at Big J's Big Opening. Right, Kimmy? Mm Mm-hmm. That's happening this Saturday. That is February 11th. Tell your friends about it. We'd love to see you. Now, the Riley and Kimmy Show, by the way, does need your help with something that is going on right now through this coming Monday, February 13th. Right, the Spacey Awards, the voting for it is underway, and the Riley and Kimmy Show has been nominated for the best podcast, best uh, blog category. We're deeply honored to be nominated for that, and we need your help in winning this. Actually, you'll be winning it for Kimmy. That's correct. Hashtag win it for Kimmy. Kimmy's first thing she's won as an adult. Uh, hasn't won anything since that. What was it? The math fair, science fair, the science science down. Okay. Science yeah. down in seventh grade. Uh, well, okay, not that long ago. Considering you know you were in seventh grade, not that <laughs> not that that long ago. No, but sure. <laughs> anyhow, uh, this will be your opportunity to win since uh, becoming an adult. And I would love her to win this. Be a great Valentine's gift for Kimmy because the uh, voting comes to an end on the thirteenth. Also, a great uh, early birthday present. Her birthday's right around there. And when the awards happen, it just happens to be right on my birthday. So it could be a double birthday, a Valentine's gift, and all that kind of stuff just uh, for your support for the Riley and Kimmy Show. We ask you to vote. Very simple to do. We have ballots available right now on our website. It is pinned right to the top. And also on our Facebook page, pinned right to the top, Kimmy has some details on how you can vote. All you have to do is... Um, locate that ballot and just tap on the box or bubble right in front of our name. And that's it. That's, that's easy. It's actually left of our name, correct? Mm-hmm. It's left of the name. It could be a bubble depending on the device that you're looking sure. on or it could be a box, correct? That's right. Super easy. And please share that with two of your friends at least to tell them to do the same. And by the way, liking the uh, Facebook post, the Facebook poll will not count as a vote. So you have to click on the left of our name to actually vote. And please uh, stress that with your friends. Help us out and help Kimmy win. Hashtag win it for Kimmy. And that is in the Spacey Awards. We we need your vote and we thank you right now for it. Kimmy, I have a question for you on this Tuesday. It is a February 7th. Are you able? Are you willing? Do you want to play Nerd in Pop Culture Geek Trivia? Oh, let's give it a shot. It is a February 7th. We'll be asking Kimmy some questions, some trivia, fun kind of questions. Nothing really too serious here. She gets more of them right than wrong. She will get herself coming up. On this weekend, this Saturday, something 
for dinner out on the uh, Orlando area, maybe of iDrive. Uh, you know, we'll, uh, or maybe the lunch of your choice, too, Kimmy. Either one. Uh, if you get more right than wrong. Okay. But as a compilation gift, do you know what I call compilation? Consolation. I know it's consolation prize. But it's actually, <laughs> I'm giving you two cans of spam, so I guess it is a compilation uh, yeah. gift. Okay, Gibby gets two two cans of spam, her flavor of choice. One's the original, and her, her other choice of flavor, just for participating in this game and walking away at least of some form of a winner on this Tuesday, February 7th. The timeline has been jumbled up. It's been all shuffled up a little bit. So it means it's not running linear, not chronological. Feel free to shout out, yell out uh, those answers to Kimmy, or put your hands, as long as you're not driving, put your hands to your forehead and, you know, concentrate real hard, right? Concentrate real think, hard. Think and, hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think hard, like Kimmy does, and, and try, to, try to get that answer to her through the time vortex. We actually believe that happens. So here we go. It is a Tuesday, February 7th. As we go to trivia on the Riley and Kimmy Show. Yes, Kimmy, are you ready for your very first question? Mm-hmm. Tell me the year that this became the official anthem of New York City. We will give you a 10-year buffer. So tell me the year that this became the official anthem of New York City. It's up to you, New York Kimmy, I'll make it easy for you because you're panicking on me right there. Was it 1955, 1965, 1975, or 1985 that New York, New York becomes the official anthem of New York City? 1955? Kimmy misses it. It was 1985 that that happened. Now, moving to movies and animation, Kimmy. Give me the year within five years that Pinocchio makes... It's world premiere in Manhattan. Tell me the year. Within five, Pinocchio makes the world premiere. 1948? So close, Gibby. 1940 is when Pinocchio made that uh, debut. Did you ever see Pinocchio in the theater? Mm Mm-hmm. With you. you. With me? I actually saw that in the theater with you. Yeah. The first time I saw it was as an adult. Hmm. In the theater. Now, I remember seeing that it was one of the only two, well, technically three, because I was taken to the Robin Hood thing uh, that was released, you know, the uh, cartoon with the foxes and everything, the Robin Hood. I can't remember its exact title. I don't really consider that as the classic uh, uh, Disney films. Uh, I was only taken to two, which was Dumbo was one and Pinocchio. Uh, when I was very little by an adult. That's the only oh. ones I ever saw. Yeah, I didn't see it as a child. So Pinocchio, I don't, I didn't recall that we saw that in the movie theater. I, I, I didn't remember that one at all. Okay, moving over to something else happening on this date in history, Kimmy. The last bare knuckle fight for heavyweight boxing championship takes place on this date in Mississippi City, Kimmy. I'm asking you the year. Now, was the year 1882, 1912, 1922, or 1932? Bare knuckle. That means, Kimmy, no gloves on the hands. When was the last championship heavyweight fight 
happen? When did it happen? What was the 1800 one? It was 1882. 1882. That is correct. 1882 is when the last one happened. Reader's Digest magazine. Did you have that in the household? Uh, I believe so. Obviously, you didn't read Reader's Digest magazine, correct? Mm, no. Was there like a big stack there that seemed like it never moved? It just, mm, sort you know, of, yeah. It, just, it was like building a, a mini skyscraper, probably. Mm, yeah. All right. The Reader's Digest made its debut on this date in history, Kimmy. 5,000 copies were distributed. Give me the year within 10 that Reader's Digest makes its debut. 1965? It was 1922 <laughs> that Reader's Digest... Remember, I should have probably given you a clue or done something because I have a feeling Reader's Digest was very popular before television and even big-time radio when you mm. think about it. Mm-hmm. You had to have a lot of free time probably to go through the Reader's Digest. Yeah. Yeah. It was on this date, 1941. Tommy Dorsey's orchestra records this song called Everything Happens to Me. But they did it with a vocalist. Tell me who this young vocalist is who would become an icon in the 20th century. Also an actor. Tell me who the vocalist is who sung Everything Happens to Me. Here is your audio clue, Kimmy. Everything happens to me. I never miss a thing. I've had the measles and the mumps. And every time I play an ace, my partner always trumps. I guess I'm just a fool who never looks before he jumps. Everything happens to me. Kimmy, who is that singer? I don't know. Oh, Kimmy, you do. You heard him just a few moments ago. He sung this. It's up to you. Who is wow, that singer? Frank Sinatra. Yes, that's Frank Sinatra about 40-some years before Wow. Uh, when he recorded this. That's his very early time and right about the time period that he performed in your hometown, actually, right there. That All is right. uh, very young. Frank Sinatra, real quick here. Everything happened. Yes, that is. And wow. he, he was. And right at that time period, you can see uh, he was the, or here possibly, why he was the top with the Bobby Soxers. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was Frank Sinatra. So on his date, 1943, the United States government announces that the shoe rationing would go into effect. That's right. In two days, shoes would be rationed. That was in 1943. You would be in trouble. Me? Oh, yeah. You're a shoe freak. Nah. Actually, uh, in all candor here, Kimmy is not like that at all. No. You're, you're not really a, a shoe freak at all. I'm not that big in the shoes. I might have more shoes than you do. You probably do. Hey, there's a possibility of that. It was on this date, 1959. Buddy Holly's funeral was held in Lubbock, Texas. It was on this date, 1979. Pluto moves inside Neptune's orbit. This is the first time since either was discovered. Some people don't realize that Pluto's orbit moves and it actually goes where it is no longer further out. Neptune's actually further out, technically, mm. for a period of time. It's on this date, Kimmy, that... A video was recorded for this hit song. The song would become a hit after the video. It was recorded in New York City. Identify the song and tell me the recording artist. And bonus points. Give me the year within two.
Kimmy, who is that? Who's the recording artist? Um, that's Mick Jagger. And? The Stones. That's correct. Name the song, the hit. Uh, Harlem Shuffle. Wow, that is correct. Give me the year within two. Mm. When did radio stations start playing that thing? And MTV and other video outlets. 1989. You're close, but miss it. 1986, that happens. Now, when they performed their uh, their tour in Orlando, when they hit in Orlando, did they perform that song or not? I don't think so. I, I didn't think they did either. I don't even know if they performed that on tour at all. Remember it had animation, I think, in it? The, uh, the mm. video? Remember that? Kind of. Had like yeah. a wolf in it. Remember that? Like the big oh, bad okay. wolf kind of uh-huh. thing. Remember that? Wasn't Carmen Electra in that too? I don't know. I think she was. It was on his date in 1988. The TV miniseries Elvis and Me, based on Priscilla Presley's book, began on ABC. Did you watch that Elvis and Me thing in 1988? I don't think so. All right. It was 1993. Carmen Electra's self-titled debut album was released. Do you have that in your no. vinyl collection, CD collection, or, mm. or even on MP3? Do you? No. You have no Carmen no. Electra. No. It was on his date, 1999. NASA's Stardust space probe was launched. The mission was to return comet dust, that's samples, from Comet Wild 2. The mission was completed on January 15, 2006, when the sample return capsule returned to Earth. That's kind of cool when you think about it. it. From 1999 to 2006, they were able to make that happen, mm-hmm. considering the distance and things like that. 2000, California's legislature declared that February 13th would be Charles M. Schultz Day. And what is Charles M. Schultz known for, Kimmy? Um, creator of Peanuts. Yes, the cartoonist and creator of Peanuts. Peanuts' father, if you will. It was on the state 2008, the space shuttle Atlantis launched with a mission the mission was delivering the Columbus Science Laboratory to the International Space Station. Moving over to notable birthdays today, Kimmy. John Deere, born on this date, 1804. Why is John Deere famous? Um, well, he's farm equipment. That's exactly right. Uh, founded one of the largest manufacturers of agriculture, farm machinery in the world. And just happens to be one of the things I collect. Mm-hmm. There's John Deere tractors and stuff. Yeah. I I do, don't I? Mm -hmm. He created some of the world's best-known fictional characters and is regarded by many as the greatest novelist of the Victorian era. And one of your good friends and good friends to the Riley and Kimmy show really likes this person. One of the things he wrote, Kimmy, was A Tale of Two Cities in 1859s when it was actually published. Oliver Twist and Great Expectations are another can you identify who this legend is? Charles Dickens. That's correct, Charles Dickens. A Christmas Carol, the father of Scrooge. That's right, 1843, wrote a, or published A Christmas Carol. Was born on this date, 1812, died 1870 at the age of 58. Take a look at his photo right upon his death, really close to the time period of his death. It's amazing how people looked a lot older. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, if I, I have a feeling if I held that, that'd be an interesting game. To play, say, how old is this person? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think yeah. you would guess maybe seventy something yeah. with him. Yeah, uh, easily. I, I was like, wow. I actually looked at the photo. I was like, he's fifty-six. I think in this one photo, and I was like, he looks like he's in his seventies. Mm-hmm. It was, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of shocking. Moving over to this person, tell me who this person is, Kimmy. Born in eighteen sixty-seven, author of Little House on the Prairie and all of its other books that were tied Little Housewives. Tell me who that 
person is, that author, who oh. was born in 1867. Laura Wilder. I'll accept that. What was the middle name, though? Can you Ingalls? do that? Yeah, well, actually, the uh, maiden name. You're right. Laura Ingalls Wilder, born 1867. Did she live into the 20th century? Yes. That's right. She died in 1957. Born in what state, Kimmy? Now, let's this this is actually where the Little House books really begin. In, Minnesota? In the, wrong. What state? Indiana. Wrong. Wisconsin? That's right. Wisconsin. Then it goes to the other states. I think it goes Wisconsin. I'm not positive. It's Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska, or it goes the other way. Nebraska back to Minnesota. I can't remember mm. in the storylines. You visited her uh, mm-hmm. areas. We actually went on a bizarre tour in Minnesota and saw a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Wilder oriented. Born on this date, Sinclair Lewis, 1885, died 1951 at the age of 65, American novelist, short story writer, and playwright. In 1930, he became the first writer from the United States to receive the Nobel Prize in Literature. This person, born on this date, actor, but actually known for being an Olympian, Buster Crabb, born 1908, died in 1983 at the age of 75, He won the 1932 Olympic gold medal for the 400-meter freestyle swimming event before breaking into acting. Kimmy, can you tell me one of the characters he is known for on cinema? Very big comic strip-based characters. He brought the comic strip to life on the big screen. Can you name any one? And actually, one is literature before it became literature, and then it went into comic strips, and then it went to uh, film, radio film. Can you tell me any one of those that he played? No, that he's... I, I can't. Oh, interesting. He's known for the serials Tarzan the Fearless, also Flash Gordon, and Buck Rogers. Crab is the only actor to play Tarzan, Flash Gordon, and Buck Rogers, the top three syndicated comic strip heroes of the 1930s. Hmm. And check out the uh, Tarzan stuff. A lot of the material was filmed real close to where the Riley and Kimmy Show studios are. Okay. Yeah. It's something to check out. This person born on this date, actor Kimmy, see if you can identify who he is. And tell me how old he is, too. Within five years, he starred in Sex, Lies, and Videotape in 1989. He starred in the film Stargate, 1994. He played Ultron in Avengers, Age of Ultron in 2015. He currently stars in the NBC crime drama The Blacklist. Who is he? Oh, um, James Spader. That's right. How old is James Spader today? 60. He is 57 today. Moving over to this person having a birthday today, it's Garth Brooks. Tell me how old Garth Brooks is today within five. 51. Garth Brooks is 55 today. He is the best-selling solo album artist in the United States with 135 million domestic units sold he is ahead of Elvis Presley and second only to the Beatles in total album sales overall. He is also one of the world's best-selling artists of all time, having sold more than 160 million records. Mm-hmm. And one of the coolest people I ever met, I met him right before he was big. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really cool. I mean, uh, that's, that's, that is my – when people – I've worked various – um, radio formats, talk, in, in, I mean, various music formats, niche formats, and mainstream formats. And one of the coolest things working in a, at a hot country station was meeting and spending time with him before, I mean, it was right as he broke. Right uh, on the cusp. I, I was there the day at, at some state that it actually happened where it was big. And uh, I was on a 
with somebody else doing the stage announcements and behind the scenes stuff with Charlie Daniels. And Charlie Daniels was actually the headliner and Garth Brooks was the opening act. And it was a it was a two show and it was at a it was at a fair. And before the start of the first performance, the crowds were just huge trying to get in and they couldn't get in. And to me, well actually to me he was old. Uh, this guy who was in his upper thirties, he goes, boy, this reminds me of the Beatles. I was like, yeah, and the old guy here things like, and I'm looking at it and from what, you know, film I'd seen, I'd seen people pressing against fences and stuff for that. I was like, wow, maybe this is kind of like that. And the crowd was just loud and noisy and Garth does his performance. They love him and they leave the bulk of them left. Hmm. They didn't stay for Charlie. What they did was they tried to get back in line to get in for the next performance of Garth. And I was backstage. I was on actually on the bus with uh, with Charlie and and with Garth. And he said, "Next time, I open for you." And he, and it was it was bizarre. I mean, and he was serious. Hmm. Uh, and that, that it, that's the turning point. Some people say hmm. so it's really cool. Actually, relived that with a uh, talk show host just uh, recently, like last year. We talked about that. This person having a birthday, Chris Rock. Tell me how old Chris Rock is today, Kimmy. Um, you got a five-year buffer on Chris Rock. Let's go 40. Chris Rock is 51 or 52 today. He's one of those with the, I uh, might have been born on this date or that date. Oh, okay. So he's 51 or 52. See if you can identify this birthday person with these clues. These are easy, Kimmy. He starred on That 70s Show for eight seasons. And then from 2011 to 2015, he starred as Walden Schmidt, on the CBS sitcom Two and a Half Men, he replaced Charlie Sheen. In 2013, he played Steve Jobs in the biographical film Jobs. Who is the mystery birthday person? Ashton Kutcher. Yes, that's correct. And how old is he today within five? Uh, 45. He is 39 oh, today. Who was his first wife, Kimmy? Demi Moore. That's right. And they were married in 2005, divorced in 2013. Tell me the name of wife number two. Uh, Mila. Mila. What's the last name? Mila. Oh, I can't think of it. Mila Kunis. Kunis. Yes, yes. that's correct. Mm-hmm. And they officially were wed in July of 2015. Moving over to another section of the Almanac for today. I see dead people. It is notable deaths today. It was 1938. Harvey Firestone, American manufacturer and founder of the Firestone Tire and Rubber Company, dies at the age of 69. In 1968, we saw the passing of Nick Adams, actor, death from a prescription drug overdose at the age of 36. American film and television actor. He was in several Hollywood films during the 1950s and 1960s, along with starring on a TV show, an ABC TV series called The Rebel in 1959. I think MeTV or one of the other retro channels runs that like on Saturday mornings. An illusionist, magician, Doug Henning passed away 2000 at the age of 52. Do you remember him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in 1977, Henning co-wrote a biography of Houdini called Houdini, His Legend and His Magic. He created illusions for Earth, Wind and Fire, their tour in 1979, and for two of Michael Jackson's concerts, including his 1985 Victory Tour with his brothers. And then he did a lot of television uh, appearances, if you remember, in the 70s. One of them, like in the, I think it was 76, 77 time period, he uh, made an elephant disappear on TV. Mm. Yeah, do you remember that? You watched him? Mm-hmm. He kind of looked like Weird Al, sort of, kind of, right? Yeah. I can kind of see yeah. that. 
You know what's interesting, Weird Al, by the way, a little bit of trivia. Because some reason I was reading something about the gong show today. And Weird Al tried out for the gong show. Oh. They actually did auditions for the uh, really? gong show. I didn't know this. They actually did auditions huh. before they actually, you know, they, uh-huh. it wasn't just like they grabbed something from the street, threw them on and go, okay, you're on next. They actually means that they weeded out some. Uh, he They didn't take him. Wow. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't make it. That's, that's kind of bizarre. The year's 2001, we saw the passing of Dale Evans. She died at the age of 88. Question for you, Kimmy. She was the wife of what? Singing cowboy. Can you tell Roy Rogers. Happy trails to you until we meet Yes, that's right, Kimmy. 2001 Happy Trails for Dale Evans. She passes away at the age of 88. You wrapped up the... The trivia, I think, quite well. Looks like you're on a roll, possibly having a great dinner or lunch of your choice out uh, in the area of where Big J's has located to on International Drive in Orlando. Congratulations. Thank you. I think we'll honor something right now from trivia. Kimmy Show loves a golden age of radio. And what I think we'll do right now, considering uh, he was born on this date in history, I think we'll honor somebody, and that person is Charles Dickens. Born in 1812, passed away in 1870, June 9th, 1870, at the age of 58. So many of his uh, his works, his writings, have been converted to you know film and also stage and also television and even comic books. But... There's also the world of radio, which Charles Dickens, his work came alive on. And one of our very good friends from the Riley and Kimmy show loves Charles Dickens. Who is that, Kimmy? John D. Donna. That's correct. Phantasmagoria Orlando. And I thought we'd dedicate this episode to him as we highlight Charles Dickens with an episode, uh, a golden age of radio production, one of the best examples of the theater of the mind because the person playing the role... One of the, the lead roles in this uh, work is Orson Welles. We have Orson Welles with Rosemary DeCant from 1945 in the production of A Tale of Two Cities here on the Riley and Kimmy Show. Paris, 1793. The French Revolution is over. The cause is won, but the bloodshed has only started. The reign of terror sweeps through the land in all its fury, and each day Madame la Guillotine has fed her share of human life. The dripping blade rises and falls, and the crowd counts in monotonous rhythm as each noble head rolls to the ground. The knife rises again and sweeps downward. Twenty-two lives in a single day, and more to come, and more and more until nightfall draws a curtain on the scene. Behind the bleak walls of the forest prison, the doomed of the following day await their fate. In a bare dungeon cell, a single lantern throws a ghostly glow on their faces. With a rattle of chains, the great iron door is thrown open. Everyone rise! Rise, aristocrats! In the name of the people of France, the tribunal hereby declares that you shall be put to death by the guillotine on the morning of February 2nd, 1793. Citizen jailer, which one of these is Charles Evremont? Evremont! Step forward! Everyone! Charles Everman, call Charles Danny. Which one of you is he? 
I'm Evremont. Step forward. Charles Evremont, known as Charles Darnay. In view of the excitement occasioned by your trial, it was felt that some small favor would be in order. We have decided, therefore, that you shall live long enough to witness the execution of your friends here. Fifty-one heads will fall tomorrow. Yours will be the 52nd. Citizen Evermore. Yes? I didn't know you were here with us. So dark. Oh, yes. What is it you want, Chris? Don't you know me? I'm Lisette, the seamstress. We were brought to La Force together. Oh, of course. I forget for the moment of what you were accused. They accused me of plotting. But I'm innocent. How could I plot against the Republic? I'm nothing. I'm no one. Don't cry, child. It's too late for tears. I try to be brave. Soon the morning will come. It's growing light even now. You have an hour yet. Perhaps more. Ask God for courage. Look. Sun's rising. I'm afraid. Yet I'm glad. At least we can see again. We... What is this? You... You are not ever mad. You are not Charles Evermore. Quiet. I knew Charles Evermore. His eyes were blue. He was a brown. His hair was light and yours. Who are you? Like you, I'm nobody. Nothing. You are going to die for him. Why, monsieur? I could never make you understand. But I could set you free. One word for me. You can't do that. You must not. Please. Please. Tell me about yourself. How can I? It would help so if you'd talk to me. Perhaps it would help you too, monsieur. There's so much to tell. It all began so long ago. When? Twenty-five years ago. 1768. Have you ever been in England? No, never. There's a long hill on the Dover Road that sweeps down to the sea. It's a pleasant road on a summer day with the sun shining. A devil's own highway at night in the winter rain. On just that sort of night in 1768, a coach topped the rise of the hill. The mail bound east for Dover. Lord, get up there. Get up, get up. Top of the hill, Tom. Better rest them for a moment. Oh, oh. We'll be lucky if we make the boat for Calais. Listen, hear that? What do you say? I say a horse at the canter coming up the hill up. I say a horse at a gallop. Oh, there. Stand there, old fire. Who are you? What do you want? Is that the Dover Mail? I want a passenger. What passenger? Mr. Jarvis Lorry. Well, keep where you are. Is there a gentleman named of Jarvis Lorry in the coach? I'm Lorry. Who wants me? It's me, Mr. Lorry. Jerry. I know this messenger guard. There's nothing wrong. I hope so, ain't. Hello, you. Come on at a foot pace. Well, Jerry, what is it? A dispatch, sir. Sent after you from London. Be quick about reading it, sir. I don't like this. It's not very long, you see. Wait at Dover for Mademoiselle. Very good. Jerry. Yes, Mr. Lorry? Ride back to London as fast as you can. Tell them my answer was recalled to life. Recalled to life. That was Mr. Lorry's business that night. To recall to life a man who had been buried alive for 18 years, a prisoner of the French nobility. The man had escaped and was now hidden by friends in the village of Saint Antoine. To that village went Mr. Laurie, to the wine shop of a certain Madame Defarge. 
You are Madame Lafarge? I am. My name is Jarvis Laurie. I've just arrived from London. This young lady with me is Miss Lucy Manette. Good morning, Mademoiselle. Please tell us, is my father here? Is he safe? Your father? There is no one here, Mademoiselle. But Mr. Laurie was told... For one that... moment, my child. Madame Defarge, perhaps I should have presented my credentials sooner. Recalled to life. There is a man here. A man old beyond his years. A mender of shoes. Will you come this way? My husband and I have kept him locked in a room upstairs. Did you say locked? Yes. Of his own desire? Of his own necessity. He has lived too long alone. He would be afraid if his door was left unlatched. Oh, Mr. Laurie, I'm frightened. Hush, my dear. Indeed, Dr. Manette, you are hard at work. Yes, I am working. You have a visitor, Doctor. Show him the shoe you are making. Now tell Monsieur the maker's name. You asked my name? Yes. 105 North Tower. That is all? 105 North Tower. You see, Monsieur... He remembers nothing. Dr. Manette, do you remember nothing of me? Look at me. Is there no old banker, no old business rising in your mind? Think of England, a man who was your friend, Jarvis Laurie. It's no use. This is what they have done to him. Lucy, come here, my child. Yes. Now speak. Call him. Speak to him as you did long ago. Do you remember, Dr. Manette? I remember a little girl with long golden hair. Ages, ages ago. What was her name? Her name? She laid her head upon my shoulder when they came for me that night. Don't let them take you, Father. Hush, my child. My baby, Lucy. Lucy. They crossed the channel that night to a safe refuge in England. There for five years, the good doctor rested until at last his memory returned and he was well again. But now, in the English courts, a trial was in progress. A trial of a certain Charles Darnay, accused of plotting treason against his majesty's government. Dr. Manette, called as a witness, sat with his daughter near the judge's bench. The court was hot, humid. Only one man seemed quite at ease. The assistant counsel for the prisoner. His court wig dipped in a slovenly fashion over one eye. His court gown stained with wine. His name, if anyone was interested, was Sidney Carton. Carton, we must act quickly. With the evidence they presented, Darnley will hang by morning. Carton, do you hear me? I hear you, Mr. Stryver. Well, what shall I do? If I were you, I should sit down. Darnley is my client. I'm trying to protect him. I pay you well for your assistance, and I expect to have you it. You will have it, Mr. Stryver, when the time comes. I see, you've already had your bottle today. Two, I believe. Drunk. Always drunk. Carton, listen to me. At the present time, I'm more interested in Dr. Manette. Dr. Manette to the stand. You are Dr. Manette? I am. Dr. Manette, the prisoner, Charles Darnay, has been accused of carrying secret messages from Louis of France to spies here in England. 
Look upon the prisoner. Have you ever seen him before? I don't know. Really? Is it not true, Dr. Manette, that the prisoner was a fellow passenger with you five years ago on a boat from Calais to Dover? I cannot say. When I came from France that night, I had been newly released from a long imprisonment. I have little remembrance of the occasion. My mind was a blank for some time. I see. Your daughter made the trip with you, did she not? Yes. And that will be all. Are there any questions from the defense? Any questions, Carton? No questions. No questions, Your Worship. Miss Lucy Manette to the stand. And now, Miss Manette, look upon the prisoner, please. Have you ever seen him before? Yes. Where? On board the packet boat you mentioned. You spoke to him? You were friendly with him? Yes. Good. Uh, now tell me, did he come aboard alone? No, when the gentleman came on board... Do you mean the prisoner? Yes. Then say the prisoner. Oh. When the prisoner came on board, there were two gentlemen with him. But these two did not make the crossing? No. Now tell me, did you see them give certain papers to the prisoner that night? No. You're sure of that? I, uh, I don't know. It was dark. Then they might have given him certain papers. Is that right? Yes, but I... And that will be all, Miss Minnett. Uh, please, I know he isn't guilty. That will be I... all, please. Are there any questions from the defense? Will Carton? No. Carton, you're mad. No questions. No questions, Your Worship. Your Worship, the prosecution would like to recall its chief witness, the prisoner's accuser, Mr. John Barset. Now, Striver, we might have some questions. Mr. John Barsett? Right here, sir. <clears throat> Mr. Barsett, look upon the prisoner. Do you recognize him? I do, sir. He's a spy against His Majesty's government. That's what he is. I was on that mail packet myself that night, and I saw the kind of papers that passed into the hands of the prisoner. They were lists of our troops. Thank you, Mr. Barsett. And no more questions. The counsel for defense? Well, Carton? Uh, ask him these questions I've written down here. <clears throat> Mr. Varsett, how do you know the papers you saw were lists of British soldiers? I saw them. Ah, you saw them. Then you took them out of the pockets of the prisoner, Charles Darnay. Yes, sir. Uh, no, sir. Uh, they fell out, they did. Oh, then you didn't take them. You're not a spy yourself. A man who makes his living by making accusations, just or otherwise, against his fellow countrymen. That's a lie. A downright insinuating lie. Uh, one moment. Uh, Will Carton? Mr. Stryber, you've no imagination. Uh, Mr. Barsad, where did you get money to live on? My property. Your property? Where is it? I, uh, I don't exactly remember. <laughs> then perhaps you can remember how you got that property. I inherited it. From whom? From relatives. Uh, distant relatives. Hmm. How many times have you been in prison? Six times, isn't it? What's that got to do with it? Haven't kicked a cheating dice? Well, now, Mr. Uh... Barsad, you are positive it was the prisoner you saw that night with those lists. I am? It couldn't possibly have been someone else. No, it couldn't. Mr. Donnie! You will please face this witness. Now, Mr. Barsard, look at Mr. Darnay. Look at him carefully. Well? Now, Mr. Barsard, look at me. At me, the assistant counsel for the defense. You notice a resemblance between us. We are very much alike, are we not? Well, uh, now that you mention it, uh, you are. As a matter of fact, it could have been me you saw with those supposed lists that night. Could it not? Well, now, I... Uh... Uh, could it not, Mr. Barsard? All right. Yes. That's all. Thank you. Order! Order! Are there any more questions? The jury will retire to consider its verdict. Has the jury agreed? We have, Your Worship. And how do you find the prisoner, Charles Darnay? We find the prisoner not guilty. Mm -hmm.
Mr. Donnelly, may we congratulate you, sir? Thank you, Doctor. I'm happy our testimony did you no harm. Thank you, Miss Lucy. I'm sure it did nothing but good. It was Mr. Carton who really won your case. Mr. Carton? Mr. Carton, sir. Uh, someone call me? May I thank you, sir, for saving my life? Yes, only a part of my business. Uh, Mr. Carton, this is Dr. Manette and Miss Lucy Manette. Mr. Carton. How do you do? Oh, we thought you were splendid, Mr. Carton. Me, a uh, professional claptrap. Ah. Oh. May I ask, sir, how did you happen to notice the resemblance between you and me? Oh, it was very simple. I looked at you and admired your bearing and your character, and you see I have nothing but admiration for myself. Uh, Lucy, my dear, uh, we must go. Goodbye, Mr. Darnay. Will you call at our house soon? Thank you, Miss Lucy. And Mr. Carton. Aye? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Good day, then. Good day, gentlemen. Good day, Doctor. Uh, Mr. Carton, would you care to dine with me? Oh, you feel you must repay me. I could never repay you for my life, sir. Oh, don't be too certain. Bottle of wine or two? My fees are very low. Another glass, Mr. Darnay. Thank you. I've had enough. Yeah, Mr. Darnay. How does it feel to be alive again instead of hanging by your neck? Well, I... I'm a little confused regarding time and place, but it's good to feel at home in the world again. Oh, it must be an immense satisfaction. For me, the world has very little to offer, except wine like this. So, you and I are not very much alike in that particular, are we? You speak very faintly, Mr. Darnay. I, uh, I didn't speak at all, sir. Oh, come, Mr. Darnay, call a help. Propose your toast. What toast, sir? Oh, it's on the tip of your tongue, man. It's been there all evening. Out with it. Very well, then. To Miss Lucy Manette. Miss Marinette. Ah. There's a fair young lady to hand into a coach in the dark, eh, Mr. Darnay? <laughs> There's a fair young lady to be pitied by and wept for by. How does it feel, Mr. Darnay? Is it worth being tried for one's life to be the object of such sympathy and compassion? I don't take your meaning, sir. <laughs> Mr. Darnay, let me ask you a question. Do you think I particularly like you... You've acted as if you do, but I don't think you do. I don't think I do either. Nevertheless, I hope there's nothing in that dis dislike to prevent my calling for the reckoning and parting without ill blood. Oh, well, there's nothing at all. You call the whole reckoning? If I may, sir. In that case, innkeeper, more wine. Yes, sir. Good night, Mr. Carton. Uh, go, one last word, Mr. Darnay. <clears throat> you think I am drunk? I think you have been drinking, Mr. Carton. You know I have been drinking. Well, since I must say so, I know it. You shall likewise know why. Because I care for no man on earth. No man on earth cares for me. Much to be regretted. You might have used your talents better. Maybe so, Mr. Darley. Maybe not. Good night, sir. Good night. And don't let your sober face elate you. Never know what it may come to. Innkeeper, the wine. Coming, sir. Well, well, Carton. Has Mr. Darnay shown you what you've fallen away from? What you might have been? Changed places with him and would you have been looked at by those blue eyes as he was? Come on. Have it out in plain words. You hate the fellow. Sidney Carton knew it was too late to change his way of life. But he took to brushing his shabby coat and combing his untidy hair. 
And there were times even when he remembered that a gentleman does not drink himself nightly into a stupor. On Sunday afternoons, he would appear in Miss Manette's garden, sitting quietly, speaking but seldom, for Charles Darnay was there too. One evening, just at dusk, an approaching storm sent them indoors. Listen, it's coming soon, Mr. Darnay. It comes slowly but surely. Isn't it impressive? Sometimes when I've sat here of an evening like this, listening to the thunder in the distance, I've had such a strange fancy. I've imagined that the thunderclaps were echoes. The echoes of footsteps that will one day enter our lives. Well, if that is so, there is a great crowd coming into our lives. I take them into mine gladly. It was my foolish fancy, Mr. Carter. Well, there is a great crowd bearing down upon us now. Thousands upon thousands. Here they come. Fast. Fierce. Furious. Oh, you make my fancy seem too real, Mr. Carton. There was a great crowd coming into their lives. A numberless, overpowering crowd, which one day would decide the fate of these three. At first, it was but a whisper in the city of Paris. A whisper that was to grow with the years into a crashing roar of hatred. Slowly but surely, as the storm came, the crowd was coming too. Up from the cellars of Paris, up from the bare fields of a starving peasantry, the crowd was coming, chanting its hate, screaming for blood. The people of France, in all their might, rising in revolution. In the forced prison awaiting death by the guillotine, the man called Darnay continues his story. The little seamstress condemned to die with him within the hour listens quietly, her eyes fixed on his face. As time went on, Sidney Carton appeared less and less frequently in the men at home. For he knew that Lucy loved Charles Darnay. It was an evening in April... Almost ten years ago, that Charles Darnay spoke to Lucy's father. I've, I've only hinted at marriage to Lucy, sir. I didn't want to speak until... Well, there are certain things about myself that you should know. Yes? Dr. Manette, my name is not Darnay. I chose that name when I first left France and my heritage. Heritage? I'm of noble birth, sir, but I do not boast of it. Through generations, my family gained its wealth at the expense of the poor. When my uncle died, I was the sole remaining heir... I returned to France to sign away my title to the estate. Why do you tell me this? Because, sir, I, I know what you have suffered at the hands of the French aristocracy. Your uncle's name and yours, what, what was it? Saint-Evrimonde, the Marquis Saint-Evrimonde. He was... Doctor, you're, you're ill, sir. No. Charles, Lucy is not to know what you have just told me. Not now, do you mean? Not now or ever. She is not to know. Your word. Very well, Doctor. You you have my word. Now go, please. Go. Saint Evrimon. <laughs> Saint Evrimon. <laughs> Father. Father, let me in. Father, it's Lucy. Let me in. Oh, please. Lucy, what is it? Oh, What's the trouble? Sydney. 
I got your message. Is anything wrong? It's father. He's been locked in his room all day. I'm so afraid. Dr. Manette, open the door. Dr. Manette. Miss Lucy, I found the key in the storeroom. Well, give it to me and take Miss Lucy downstairs. Yes, please. Come, my dear. Come, my lady. Dr. Manette. Dr. Manette, what are you doing? Do you hear me? Doctor, what work is this you're doing? A lady's shoe. A young lady's walking shoe. It should be finished. Let me be. Is he, is he all right? He's all right. Dr. Jimison is with him. Oh, you've been very kind to stay so long. I tried to reach Charles, but he wasn't at home. I'm so worried. There's nothing to worry about now. A few days and he'll be well again. But what could have caused it? After all these years to go back to that, what happened to him? How can we know? A shock, perhaps some sudden jolt of memory. Man's mind can play queer tricks, you know. Let me see. Yes. I brought you a cup of chocolate. Oh, thank you, Miss Frost. And the doctor says everything will be all right. You're not to worry. Oh, thank you. Well? Oh, Sydney, you're not leaving. It's growing late. Not for me, of course. But I doubt if you see the dawn very often. No, I don't. But I can welcome it today. A few hours ago, everything was so black and fearsome. And now, all my troubles are past. All my hopes reborn. It's always that way, isn't it? There are some hopes a man may have which remain in the shadows forever. Do you have such hopes, Sidney? <laughs> no more. I'm like one who died young. Sidney, you've come often to the house in the past few months, and yet we know very little about you, except that you're our friend. Is there nothing I can do to, to help you, Sidney? I could never hope to repay what you've already done. May I tell you something? Mm-hmm. Will you hear me without shrinking from me? What is it? You've been the last dream of my soul. Seeing you here in your home has stirred old shadows that I thought had died out of me. I've heard whispers from old voices impelling me upward that I thought was silent forever. I've had unformed ideas of striving afresh, fighting out the abandoned fight. It's a dream. All a dream, but... I wish you to know that you inspired it. Oh, Sidney. Will nothing of it remain? Perhaps as a dream might linger on after the dreamer awakes. But try to hold me in your mind as sincere in this one thing. I would embrace any sacrifice for you. Or for those dear to you. Think now and then that there's a man who would give his life to keep a life you love beside you. The poor fool, Cotton. Drunk. Drunk this time with self-pity. And from that day on, he was seen rarely in the men at home. He was there when Lucy and Danny were married. And again, some years later, when their child was born. A girl... But his visits were short, and he'd slip away at the first opportunity. In France, during these years, the echoing footsteps of the crowd had been growing louder. Grim patriots who were to bathe the soil of France in the blood of the hated nobility. And then the storm broke in all its fury. In July, 1789, they swarmed from the rat holes of Paris to cover the country with a blanket of red. 
an army of vengeance, bent upon destruction and death. How can you sit and knit so calmly on this day? Our victory will come only when every noble head has rolled from every noble shoulder. And in this knitting, I have inscribed their names. The names of those who have starved us, killed us. And for every stitch, another head shall roll. For every stitch, we shall be avenged. What do you want at this hour? I'm looking for Mr. Sidney Carton. The inn is not open. There's no inn in London open at this time of night. I want to see Mr. Sidney Carton. Let me in. Now, where is he? He's in there. Carton. Carton. Wake oh, up. Yeah. Wake up. Oh, who is it? Oh. Donnie. Oh. Oh, Mr. Donnie. Welcome, Mr. Donnie. You have some wine? No time for that. Listen to me. I'm leaving for Paris within the hour. Paris? There's some business there that I must attend to at once. Paris. Very warm this time of the year. If I were your lawyer, I should advise against the journey. How, how much do you know of me? This is an excellent wine, Mr. Donnie. French wine from the cellars of the aristocrats who fled the country. There will be few of these bottles left now. Being poured into the streets, along with the blood of the nobles who once drank it. Must you go to Paris, Mr. Darnay? I see there's little I have to explain to you, but I received a letter this morning from a man who was once my servant. They've threatened to send him to the guillotine unless he can explain why he's in possession of certain property. That's why I must go to save his life. What of your own life? I'll be in no danger. I've renounced my inheritance. It's it's easily proved. Why do you come to me? There's no one else I can turn to. I don't know how long I shall be gone. I, I should like to feel that there's someone here in London who's watching over my family. I? You'd trust me to watch over your child, your wife? Yes. I know that you love her. When did you say you must leave? Tonight, now. Have no fear about your family. They'll be safe. Thank you, Carton. Good night. Good night. Godspeed. Mr. Carton, more wine, sir? No. No, take it away. Oh! You there in the coach. Where are you going, citizen? I'm going to Paris. Let me see your papers. If you'll hurry, please, citizen. I must be in Paris within the hour. What is your name, citizen? Charles Darnay. Darnay! Also known as Evremont. Why, why, yes, but I... You are consigned, Evremont, to the prison of La Force. In just a moment, our stars will return in Act Three of A Tale of Two Cities. The sun rises slowly over the roofs of Paris, and the long shadow of the guillotine falls against the walls of La Force Prison. In the cell of the condemned, Sidney Carton speaks in a hushed voice. His story meant only for the ears of the little seamstress. They brought Charles Darnay 
Here's a La Force prison to be held in secret. Somehow the news filtered back to England. Soon his wife and child were in Paris with Dr. Manette and Mr. Laurie. Mr. Laurie? Uh, their old friend. For months they waited for some word from Darnay in his cell. But no word came. And every day through the streets the tumbrils passed. Filled with the condemned on their last journey to the guillotine. Father, did you see him? Did you see Charles? No, they would not take me to his cell. Oh. But I have news. Yes, Charles is summoned tomorrow for trial. Tomorrow? Oh, Father. I think it will go well, my child. They're going to allow me to testify for him. You? Why, they'll brand you a traitor. They'll kill you, Father. No, my child. I bear a charmed life in this city. I have been a prisoner of the Bastille. Silence! Silence! Dr. Manette. Is this tribunal to understand that you endorse the accused, the prisoner Charles Evremond? That is so. He is of noble blood. He is a traitor. He is no traitor. I will swear to it. Dr. Manette, we know your life, the cause you fought for. You are one of us. Yes. And as one of you, I speak. The accused, Charles Evremond, was my first friend when I was released from the Bastille. The accused, Charles Evremond, is my daughter's husband. In all these years, he has had no part in the tyranny against which we fought. He has renounced his share of the estate and returned it to the people. Charles Evremont is no enemy of the revolution. I give you my word, he is innocent. Free the prisoner. If the doctor of Beauvais says he is innocent, free him. Is the jury ready to declare itself? We are. How say you then? Let the prisoner be freed. Wait! Wait, I say! The prisoner cannot be free. Citizeness Defarge? I say the prisoner still stands accused. By whom, citizeness? By three voices. By my husband, Ernest Defarge. By myself. And the third? By the doctor of the way, Dr. Alexander Manette. I protest. I protest against it. Continue, citizeness. Hear me, all of you. Dr. Manette, you have said Charles Ebramon was your first friend. I was your first friend. It was to my wine shop you were brought where you made shoes under my care. You knew yourself then only as a number. 105 North Tower, the cell in which you had been confined. Is that not true? If you say it is, I must believe it. I can't remember. But I remembered. And I resolved one day to examine that cell. And on the day the Bastille fell, I went to 105 North Tower. Hear me, citizens. In that cell, hidden in the stonework of the wall, I found a paper. A paper written by Dr. Manette in the year 1767, before the dark and loneliness drove him mad. It is that paper I hold in my hand now. It describes in the doctor's words how he was called one night to attend a peasant girl dying in a miserable bed of rags. A girl and her unborn child. In the stable, her brother with a wound in his chest was to breathe his last before the morning. And why? Because these two creatures had protested against the noble family who held them in bondage. Had protested against the murder of the girl's father and her husband, killed by those same noble hands. The doctor buried the girl and her brother the following morning, but 
He had seen too much and heard too much from the lips of that dying girl. That night, the doctor was thrown into the Bastille. The noble family had silenced him forever. And the name of that family, the name of those murderers, Son Everyman. Yes, Son Everyman. And now hear this. Listen to the words of Dr. Alexander Manette himself. The words he wrote. I, Alexander Manette, prisoner of the Bastille, having thus set forth the causes for my imprisonment, do denounce the Marquis Son Everyman and his descendants against the time when these crimes shall be answered for. I denounce them to heaven and earth. No, no, stop. You asked me to stop. Listen to me. I have long had the crimes of the Everman family knitted in my register. Ask my husband, is that so? It is so. On the great day when the Bastille fell, I brought this paper home and we read it together, my husband and I. Ask him, is that so? It is so. Then I told him that I have a secret to communicate with him. I struck this bosom with these two hands as I strike it now, and I said, Defarge, I was brought up among the fishermen of the seashore, and that peasant family so injured by the Ebramans is my family. That sister of the mortally wounded boy was my sister. That husband was my sister's husband. That unborn child was their child. That brother was my brother. Those dead are my dead. And that summons to answer for those things is sent to me. Ask him, is that so? It is so. Then tell wind and fire to stop. But don't tell me. What say you, citizens? Does this everyone go free? Back to the prison of La Force to await death by the guillotine. That was the sentence passed by the tribunal. That same night, a coach left Calais for Paris, carrying but one passenger slouched low in his seat, his shabby greatcoat pulled high about his neck. Reaching Paris, he haunted the inns and taverns, wandered like a lonely ghost through the city, and at last made his way to the lodging house where Lucy waited news from her. Sidney. Sidney Carton. You must forgive my coming at this hour. I didn't wish to be seen. I knew you'd come. I've been waiting. Sidney, they're going to take Charles. They're going to kill him. How long has he? Until the morning. And they won't let me see him. I can't be near him in these last hours. Lucy, remember what you said. Long ago, the dark hours before the dawn. There'll be no dawn tomorrow. It'll be dark now, always. Lucy... If there was some way I could comfort you. You must hope. What hope is there? What comfort? My husband is going to die. Lucy. Oh, Sidney. Forgive me. You were right. I have no strength to offer you. You came to us tonight. I shall never forget that. useless to speak to Dr. Manette. He's in no condition to see you now. Mr. Lorry, if you will forgive me. There is me. nothing you can do here, Mr. Carter. Nothing. Mr. Lorry, you are a man of business, are you not? I am. Well, I am here on business. Really, I know sir. your opinion of me, Mr. Lorry. But a drinking fellow may learn things around the town. If he can listen at the same time. 
I've learned that Dr. Manette is in great danger. He and Lucy must leave Paris tonight. Leave Paris? And they must take the child with them. But, but why? The revenge of Madame Defarge does not stop with Charles. The accusation is against the Marquis of Saint-Rimond and all his race. Lucy, her child. Now may I see Dr. Manette? It would do no good, sir. He's gone back to his work. His work? He would not know what you are saying, Mr. Carton. Miss Laurie, you have a pass that will let you through to Calais. Will it serve for Dr. Manette and Lucy? Yes, for as many as are with me. Then you'll use it tonight. You'll arrange for a coach to meet you all here at midnight. The coach will take you to the side gate of La Force Prison. Do you understand? The prison? There you will be joined by another person who will make the trip with you to England. What time? You will not stop to ask questions. You'll proceed at once to the gates of Paris and on to Calais. As fast as the coach can take you. But this, this other person, who will it be? Who? <laughs> Mr. Sidney Carton. I don't understand. I may be in poor condition for travel. I usually am at that hour. But as soon as I'm in the coach, drive on. But you, at the gate of La Force, will you be within the prison tonight? Yes. Yes, I'm going to see Charles, a certain Mr. Barsard, English spy, is a turnkey in the prison. He'll open the doors for me. Oh, I don't understand all this, sir, but you give me hope. And you will save them all, Mr. Lorry. Not only I, sir, I shall have a young and ardent man at my side. With the help of heaven, you shall. Tell me, Mr. Lorry, yours is a long life to look back on. I'm in my 78th year, sir. You've been useful all your life, trusted, respected. There are many in this world who would miss you. A solitary old bachelor? No, there is nobody to weep for me. Wouldn't she weep for you? Lucy? Yes, thank God. I, I didn't quite mean what I said. It is a thing to thank God for, isn't it? Surely. Surely. If you had to say with truth tonight, I have gained the love of no human creature. I've done nothing good, nor serviceable to be remembered by. Your 78 years would be 78 heavy curses, would they not? I think they would be. But you are not old, Carton. No. I'm not old. But the road I took was never the way to age. Good night, Mr. Lorry. How long before Darnay is taken from his cell, put with the others? I can't tell that. Perhaps only an hour now. Leave us alone. Stay within call. But you keep your promise. I told you that I could get you in and out again. But for you yes, both to try I to leave... No, I know. Open the door. Who's there? Have you come for... Carton, you. Of all the people on earth, I am the least expected, is that it? Why are you here? You shouldn't have taken the risk. It can serve no purpose. It can serve one. I bring you a message from Lucy, a request, rather, that you do exactly as I say and ask no questions. Take off your coat. Take, take off Yes, my... take it off and change it for mine. Quickly now, man. Are you mad? Do as I say. It's her wish. Put on my coat. Your hair. Rumple it so, as mine is. Carton, there's no escaping from this place. You'll only die with me. Have I mentioned escape? Do as I say. Now take my cravat. Here, give me yours. Carton, I warn you, it's... Be quiet. Look, there's pen and ink on the table. Is your hand steady enough to write? It was when you came in. Well, steady it then. And write what I dictate, quickly now. To whom do I address it? To no one. Write, if you remember the words that passed between us long ago, you will understand when you see this. Have you written that? I, I don't... What what vapor is that? Vapor? Yes, it's a strange vapor, something that crossed me. I am not conscious of it. Take up the pen and finish. I told you once that there was nothing that I would not do. Nothing that uh, I would not... 
What is it? There is something. That that odor. You mean this on my handkerchief? Yes, yes, it's it's so so. Breathe deeply. No, no, no. Breathe, I... breathe. But I, I can't breathe. I... Oh. You down there, Larsard. Are you finished? Are you ready to Oh, what's this? What's the matter with him? Nothing is unconscious. Carry him out of the gate. But you you, you changed clothes. Listen with him. to me. Sidney Carton fainted from the shock of parting with an old friend. You'll find a coach at the side gate. Put him into it. Tell him to drive as fast as they can to Calais. No, wait. I'll finish this note. If you remember the words that passed between us, you will understand. I told you once that there was nothing I would not do to keep a life you love beside you. God bless you for your sweet compassion. Here, take this note and hurry. To Kelly. Who are you? Jarvis Laurie from Tessens Bank. Past. Dr. Manette. Past. His daughter. Past. His grandchild. Who's that on the floor? He... He is Mr. Sidney Carton. Let me see him. Sidney Carton, eh? Past. Open the gate. Let this coach go through. They're on their way now. Perhaps by this time, they've reached Calais. Are bound for England. And home. And you. You are Sidney Carton. Oh, yes. And you're dying for him. For Charles Darnay. Oh, no. For someone else. Aristocrats, your carriage is awaiting. Six tumbrils will carry the day's wine to Madame la Guillotine. Guards, take them out. You, everyone. It will be as I promised for you. You shall wait for the last tumbrin. Your head shall be the 52nd today. I'm ready. Move along, there. Move along. Mr. Garden. May I? May I go with you? Keep your eyes on me, child. Mind nothing else. I mind nothing while I hold your hand. a far, far better thing that I do than I've ever done. It is a far, far better rest that I go to than I've ever known. Fifty-two! our curtain on the roaring crowds of Paris and the sacrificial destiny of Sidney Carton and raise it again on the stars who have made tonight's performance such a vivid memory. Orson Welles and Rosemary DeCamp. Well, Frank, it was a real privilege to be cast as Sidney Carton and to play opposite Rosemary. Thank you, Orson. Orson, I understand that for your many attributes of writer, actor, producer, and magician, you've added a new one, journalism. <laughs> That's right, Frank. I've got a newspaper column running now called Orson Welles' Almanac. Yeah, I know. I have a copy here. Full of biting witticisms, I imagine, Frank, hmm? Well, it depends upon what you call biting witticisms. It starts with the following items. 
Never salt turnips while cooking. Always wash spinach with warm water. <laughs> Arthur, aren't you afraid you'll start a social revolution with those radical ideas? And the final item in the column is as follows. Always use Lux toilet soap for the complexion. Well, wait a minute. I've been sabotaged. Oh, no, you haven't, Orson. That's the best advice that you could give to any girl who wants to look her best. And I can see it's the advice you follow, Rosemary. Tell us, what was your first bit of acting in the theater? Uh, the very first? I, I was a bunny in an Easter pageant. The original female Harvey, hmm? <laughs> Were you ever a rabbit, Orson? Well, if he hasn't been, just give him time. He'll get around with well, as a matter of fact, when I was five, I impersonated Peter Rabbit in Marshall Field's department store. Yeah. Yes, I did. Well, anytime you two want to be rabbits here in Lux, we'll lay in a supply of carrots. Good night. Good night. Good night, and happy Easter to you. If you enjoyed that, please check out the Riley and Kimmy Show for archived podcasts, interviews, old-time radio shows, videos, and photos, all available at RileyandKimmy.com. We're asking for your help right now. The Spacey Awards are looking for the best podcast. You can place your vote for best podcast, and we hope it's the Riley and Kimmy show. You can vote for us by going to our website, which is RileyandKimmy.com. And our Facebook page, we have a link to that uh, voting process. And... Remember, it's more than just liking our Facebook page that will get a vote. You have to actually click on... The little bubble. Yes, for our name. Mm -hmm. That's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Please vote for us. We would like to thank you in advance for doing so. And we ask just one thing. Please share that with at least two people who will vote and ask them to pass it on to two more who will vote for us as well. That's the Spacey Awards. And you can find out more how to vote right on our website and our Facebook page. Link to our Facebook page is available right on our website, which is RileyandKimmy.com. The Riley and Kimmy Show. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.